0: Conversations. night talk giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter it is a minute after half past 10 this evening you're listening to night talk my name is oliver Dixon. Uh, thank you so much for being in our company we're with you all the way up until uh midnight this evening remember in the second hour of the show we're going to be talking to you in the open line, and there's so much I want to talk to you about in the open line, so do stay with us. We're going to be having that conversation, various um, uh, of conversations in the open line. Again, that number to dial is zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. but our lines remain open. What are your thoughts on that previous conversation I just had there with uh, uh, Rowena Burnout on sal- child sex trafficking? What are your re- reactions to that, Gerard Ackerman? uh judgment that came out in court today very very tragic story again i'm taking your voice notes for that on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven i'm repeating that zero six one four one zero four one zero seven and i'm also going to be taking your whatsapp voice notes over there and if you want to give me a call it is zero eight six triple zero two zero three two the world athletics federation introduced some new laws uh that will see changes uh, taking place into the hormone treatment. Of female athletes in particular that have higher than normal levels of testosterone, specifically natural testosterone in their body, Casasemania being uh, the face of that case, right? But also, there seems to be changes in the eligibility of transgendered athletes uh, to be able to participate in the um, Category in the gender category of which they had transitioned into. Speaking to me on this this evening is Kellen Bueta, who is an LGBTQI activist and a researcher based in Johannesburg. Her work includes not only inclusion in sports, but issues around gender diverse youth, access to healthcare, media representation, and international legal research. I'm also joined by Dr. Mari Eng. Who is a lecturer at the School of Social Sciences at the University of kwazulu Natal? Mari is an interdisciplinary gender studies scholar. Um, Kellen, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Mariang, uh, Thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Kellen, let's let's perhaps start here. What is World Athletics Federation effectively saying about transgendered athletes and women athletes in particular? Uh, when they say, in particular, that if you have higher than levels of testosterone in your body, you need to regulate that. That's to say you need to go undergo hormone therapy to reduce the testosterone levels in your body to be able to participate. What is the basis for that reasoning on part of World uh, World Athletics Federation? Uh,
1: well, thank you firstly for, for having us both on this evening. Um, I can tell you what perhaps they think their basis is, and then what I believe their basis is as well, Um, they have stated that this is essentially an issue around fairness and ensuring there is a level playing field uh, when it comes to women's sport. However, I don't believe that this is fair. I don't believe this is accurate. I believe it does not take full account to the natural human diversity of women, of uh, people of all sexes and gender identities. You mentioned Custos and she has already for several years now been uh, excluded and being targeted because of her natural testosterone levels. So if you are trying to argue for fairness in sport, uh, the idea that someone's natural uh, capabilities are inherently unfair to other women, uh, I find that yeah. to be quite uh, quite problematic. Um, when you talk about the uh, amendments to the rule with transgender athletes, uh, transgender athletes have been eligible. I would, uh, off the top of my head, since 2003, the uh, Olympic Committee has allowed trans people to... Uh, undergo uh, hormone replacement therapy to lessen the level of testosterone since 2003. Um, and I believe the Tokyo 2021 Olympics Laurel Hubbard was the first openly transgender participant, uh, uh, trans woman, sorry. And she didn't even complete. She didn't even finish in her category. Uh, so the idea that this is some huge issue that suddenly needs to be dealt with, um, I think it is purely a a response to the anti-trans backlash. It is purely a political move. I don't think it is actually
0: about fairness. Yeah. I mean, there is an epistemic question around, uh, you know, whether or not we have a normative framework for what fairness constitutes around the world. And I want us to speak about that a little bit later on. But just before we go on, Kellen, I I just want to make it clear, and thank you so much for, for your explanation there. I just want us to establish here quickly, the World Athletics Federation does not impose any sort of uh, uh, regulations or rules on hormone regulation for cisgendered men participants, do they? To my knowledge, no. So I, as a man, can participate in the athletics and in whatever event I want to. And if I have higher than normal testosterone levels than another man or other man uh, in, in in the same category. I will not be required to reduce my testosterone levels as a man, as a as a cisgendered ma- uh, male com- uh, participant.
1: No, if your testosterone levels were naturally higher, um, that would sort of be just seen as you having a a lucky advantage. Uh, the way that if a basketball player was incredibly tall, they would not be said to have an unfair advantage because it is just sort of the way they are. Um, whereas if a cisgender woman has naturally high testosterone, now they are targeting uh, individuals of that nature, and individual individuals are also being uh, not just required to lessen their testosterone, the new regulations as it relates to trans individuals is essentially an outright ban if they have undergone puberty of the sex assigned at birth, which means there is no way for transgender athletes to access professional sports uh, under the Mm. current world athletics
0: uh, system mm. Mm, mm. that's that's a glaring discrepancy um am i reading that correctly i think so i do okay do- dr Mari, i want int- to i want to bring into the conversation here there was a lengthy litigation taking place and and casta semenya and the south african government uh put together a legal team uh that spearheaded that litigation Um, against uh, World Athletics Federation. And they weren't successful, but it was an important moment uh, as far as trans activism is concerned in in, in the world. Um, What were some of the key features coming out of that litigation that you think was important to note in how the new rules have been formulated?
2: Hi, good evening, and thank you for inviting me on. Um, so there are a number of things that came out of that case, and it, and it hasn't been entirely closed. Casper um, his team has appealed the case to the Swiss Human Rights Court, um, and there is a big group of international backers who are, who are continuing sort of the struggle against um, these discriminatory regulations that World Athletics have, have enforced. But I think... Like from a general perspective, one of the um, one of the most meaningful things that has come out of this battle that Casper and and her team have bravely fought, is to really highlight the problematics of this whole so-called gender verification system, right? to illustrate, um, I would say the scientific fallibility of the whole system, um, and sort of showing the impossibility of drawing lines with hormones around who gets to call themselves a proper or a real woman and, and who does not. And it's really shown, um, I guess, in terms of the ethics and, and questions of fairness and equality, but also in terms of the, the scientific basis, um, then both the case that Duty Chand uh, Raised against world athletics um, in the CAS, as well as that of Chastis have really highlighted some of the problems with the underlying science.
0: Yeah, I, I also just want to, as a, as a sidebar, and this really is a parenthetical question, uh, Dr. Murray, but of the athletes that have been impacted by world athletics regulations around this, I, I, I've identified eight, nine, nine of them, actually I've identified nine. Eight of them are of African and Indian descent. Is that a coincidence?
2: I don't think so at all, and there are a number of academics and activists who who agree with that and who have been saying that quite clearly for a number of years. The whole idea of doing so-called gender testing or asking women athletes at this professional level to prove that they are, in fact, women, um, however you want to define that, has been something that has happened to women since... Since they were allowed entry into the Olympics. Um, and the shape of those sort of tests um, has changed over the years, right? As the science of where is or how is the best method to, to measure sex or gender has changed, so you have the tests. And now we have come, I think, where it's become painfully evident that. of even the science of sex and gender is so deeply racialized and so intertwined with kind of the imperial history of of enlightenment science that it's no coincidence at all that it is precisely women of color from the global south that are being targeted. And that's entirely in line with sort of other racializing practices um, and, and forms of discrimination that um, black women and women of color face in professional sports today. For yeah. um, so now, no, it's not a coincidence, not at all.
0: Kellen, uh historically, science has always been distorted to confirm biases, whatever they may have been. In fact, uh, the, imperial, the empire used science to justify racism at one point or the other. Chromosome tests used to be common. In 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 athletics events uh, the world over, uh, from about the, the 1960s. s, um, is the science being correctly interpreted, or perhaps at least let me ask this: What is the scientific conceptualization uh, that is the underpinning of the anti-trans backlash?
2: Well, you know, as a as a critical feminist scholar, I'd say that you know the anti-trans or the trans exclusionary and sort of gender conservative agenda. Um the issue is is about a gender panic, and it's not one of of science necessarily right so i would I would take issue with that, but I think what it boils down to is that um we start out from very different perspectives about whether it's possibly too possible to determine um in a biological sense kind of or to arrest this thing that we call gender or sex into two very neat categories right. And there are many of us on the more critical or inclusive end who will highlight that um, gender variations, be they sort of biological variations or those that have to do with gender identity and identification, are entirely natural Um, and there's nothing unnatural. What is unnatural is the scientific attempt to try and squeeze naturally occurring gender diversities into two very neat um, and and seen as mutually oppositional boxes, right? So it's, um, you know, that's that's one of the issues, but then also part of the, you know, anti-gender or gender conservative agenda um, also tries to, bring together questions of biology and gender identity and sexual orientation in, in very messy ways, right? But I I wouldn't okay. say that we necessarily disagree about the science, but that this is an ideological panic, right? It's a gender anxiety and a gender panic that we're seeing.
0: Yeah, Dr. Mari, if you listen to Republican uh, representatives in 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 uh, in the U.S., for instance, you'll hear the common retort that they use, which is, "Gender is a fact of biology, and anything outside of that is not a fact of biology." Um, that that retort seems to be very very useful in rallying up conservative Americans, for instance, to rally behind anti-trans legislatures and and, and rules in sports in American schools. Why is that retort so powerful um, in, in rallying people? Uh, why are we not able to bridge the epistemic gap of gender is a fact of biology being the retort? Why are we not able to close up that gap and have a more nuanced conversation about what gender is and separate gender performance, for instance, from uh, you know s- sexual representation or sexual uh, manifestation? Why, why are we struggling with that well that's a a really good question and it really gets to the heart of
2: this so on the one hand this this is such a useful case right and and sport gets weaponized because i think sport is one of those institutions in society that most powerfully sort of maintains or helps uphold the idea that men and women males and females are foundationally different and we can see that we can prove that Mm. by by pointing to some kind of biological natural factors. And and if we can prove that and say that, that they are foundationally opposite and different, we can also justify all kinds of social beliefs that we, that we add on top of that. Right. Um, so I think that's, simplistic sort of repetition of gender as binary, there are only men and women, and all kinds of variation from that, whether that has to do with transgender or intersex, to represent that as unnatural and, and needing to be fixed is, a, is in essence, a, a powerful move to uphold the patriarchy, right? Because we can't forget that modern professional sports, the type of sports that we're talking about now, they were part of the patriarchal imperial sort of project and, and sport yeah. functions to uphold sort of the idea of masculine domination, right? It's a playground where men get to prove that they are stronger, faster, better. Now, if women suddenly aren't as neatly defined and defined as weaker and not as good as, um, then you can see the foundations of that whole sporting myth um, becomes quite, uh, quite shaky,
3: right?
0: Yeah. Is it a threat to patriarchy? Uh, you would say, Callan, that masculinity can be malleable, uh, and that sports and 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 uh, the performance of trans women in sports is able to prove that.
1: I uh, well. Short answer is yes. Uh, I would I would say it is definitely a a a threat to patriarchal norms and standards. That the very existence of transgender people and gender diverse people. Um, The idea that a trans woman can be assigned male at birth and willingly give up the privileges of maleness and masculinity in order to be her authentic self, uh, I think, frightens people. The idea that uh, a transgender man, someone assigned female at birth, uh, can embody masculinity, I think, frightens people. Um, But in terms of trans participation in sport, I think it's important to remember that, in in, in fact, it's as Dr. Enger said, uh, regarding the history of of women's sports, um, I was actually reading up just this morning about the uh, history of women's participation in marathon running in the United States. And in the 1960s, 1966, 1965, two women had, by that point, snuck into the Boston Marathon and illegally run and finished it. And it was only after that that women were explicitly banned from running marathons in the United States uh, until 1972. And to this day, now that women can run marathons, they cannot compete directly against men in most competitions. So the idea that it is to protect women, um, I think, is not completely accurate. The history of trans inclusion in sport the last 20 years, to me, is mirroring very similarly the inclusion and the exclusion of cisgender women in sport 50 years ago. The moral panic we're seeing now against trans people is very similar to what we saw against gay people in the 90s, against people of color in the civil rights movement and anti-apartheid movement, against women in the 60s and 70s. I think Mm. that the uh, arguments being made by the anti-trans lobby, by these patriarchal forces, are the exact same ones that we've heard for generations already. And whenever one community, whenever one group manages to uh, sort of break past this, to move the conversation forward, instead of moving with us, uh, these groups seek a new scapegoat. And currently, trans people, gender diverse people are one of those groups. It is Mm -hmm. nothing to do Mm -hmm. with fairness. It has nothing to do with sport. Uh, It has nothing to do with medals. It is purely, I believe, uh, a backlash aimed at targeting those who are weaker, targeting those who are easy to uh, direct public fear toward, because these groups, the patriarchy, as you say, are losing power, are losing ground in uh, what they like to term the culture war.
0: Give us a call. The number to dial is 86 0002032. 086 0002032. I'm also taking your voice notes on 0614 104107. Tweet me. It is at Oliver underscore speaking on Twitter. Oliver Dixon on Facebook. What are your thoughts? What are your questions to the conversation we're having at the moment? We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of that, we continue the show. Night talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. Monday to Thursdays, 10 p.m. Give us a call. The number to dial is zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. It's zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. I'm also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. Zigan Randberg, I'm going to come to you very shortly. Let's have a listen at this WhatsApp voice note that came through on our WhatsApp line.
3: Good evening, Yeah. Good evening, Oliver. <clears throat> uh, the truth is that these people they are not anti-transgender. They are trying to remove the disadvantage of a male over a female. If they are anti-transgender, then so these these sports must they must be done combined, men and women in one race. Where is is feministic ideas coming from there? Why they don't compete or play soccer together, men and men, men and women? They can't. There is an advantage there. And it's scientific. It's known. And you can see it naturally with your naked eyes. When you see them competing,
0: summit in Cape Town. Let's go to the Lions. Zig in Randburg. Zig, good evening.
3: I, I'm afraid I follow the same uh, ideas. I find it very confusing uh, this whole conversation that has taken up to uh, to now, perhaps for twenty minutes. I don't know. Uh, uh, there, there has been. Uh, it's all been an argument to make it uh, to say that there is no difference between men and women. Uh, and, 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 and there are, of course, there are trans situations, and, and yes, and, and, and this is, uh, and, and yeah, but we cannot, we cannot con- consider everything to be normal altogether if, if we have two different sexes. I mean, people have been reprodu- reproducing <laughs> throughout the earliest of, 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 of uh, pre-human uh, 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 ancestorship. Uh, ancestry. Uh, we've been, uh, uh, we've had diff- two different sexes. We couldn't have existed without them, and they are vastly different. In fact, uh, outside this conversation today, even I spoke to somebody else uh, and said, "Gee, there is such a big difference between a man and a woman." Uh, the women are, are, have a whole different, even uh, their fatty tissues. They have, they have a m- massive abundance of fatty tissues uh, that, that men don't have. They have muscles instead uh, uh, to a larger extent. Uh, and, and it's visible. You can see it a mile off. Uh, and, and the structure of bones and everything is different. Now, uh, their performances are very different. You run a marathon and 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 you check it out and yes and and we like to look at the people at at the at the girls that look like women you know and and we and 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 we like to look at men that look like men and and if they start looking uh uh uh, the other way and crisscrossing then they they haven't they can't be performing Fairly, ultimately if they are it's a question of how predominantly male must they be to be male or can we have must we now have unisex olympic games hey (laughs) and rugby unisex
0: gonna leave it there thank you so much for your call i appreciate it so uh, kellen i want to give you an opportunity to respond here um perhaps maybe i want to make make the question a little bit neater it's quite clear we're not talking about men competing against women uh in 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 sporting codes where there's clearly a difference we're talking here about transgendered men being able to compete against men uh cisgendered men and transgendered women being able to compete against uh cisgendered women um but yet the world still calculates and people still calculate transgendered women as being men um and therefore they still calculate it as men competing against women do you want to respond to that
1: yes i do um so i think based on 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 uh the, la- the last two calls uh a lot of this this very heated conversation a lot of the uh pushback against it comes from these stereotypes these ideas that people have in their mind about trans people like the previous caller said uh, he likes to look at women who look like women, and he likes to look at men who look like men. Uh, and so I imagine a lot of people have this idea in their mind of what a trans woman looks like, this this big witch person in a skirt or whatever. But all humans have diverse bodies. All humans have diverse presentations. And when you are talking about trans individuals, gender-diverse individuals, who have medically transitioned, um, the previous caller spoke about fat distribution and stuff like that that is what hormone replacement therapy does if you are a trans man and you medically transition you start taking testosterone uh, your voice will deepen you end up you know building up that muscle mass uh, building up your facial hair and as a trans woman you've got a testosterone blocker you've got estrogen and your fat distribution changes uh, your muscles they weaken and Within a few years, you are, per the data, per the research, from countless bodies within the same physical scope as a cisgender woman or a cisgender man. So uh, my objection then to the the policy from the uh, World Athletic Federation is not to say there is absolutely no difference between men and women, Uh, And not to say that everyone should compete against everybody else. It is a complex and nuanced subject. But presuming that the inclusion of trans people automatically means that you're going to have a bunch of men taking all the medals from women, um, it's not realistic. It is not a reflection of uh, trans people, of trans athletes. Um, It is stereotype. I think it is important that we move away in this conversation from um sort of thinking that uh, trans inclusion is somehow an attack on women's sports is somehow an attack on men and their masculinity on women and their femininity uh, everybody i think loves sports or games to some degree people get into it people watch it people play it for the love for the passion for fitness for mental health uh And some people are the same. Um, Letting them participate is good for their inclusion in society, is good for them emotionally, is good for their community, is good for their health. Uh, And boiling it down to, I would say, science or politics, I think is incredibly dangerous. It normalizes their exclusion from
0: society. Kellen, I'm going to have to thank you for your time this evening. Really, really do appreciate it. Dr. Mari, thank you so much for your time and your insights uh, on Night on, on Talk this evening. I really do appreciate it. It is a minute after 11 o'clock. I has your news.